Okay, welcome to Reactive. I am Khalil Lechelt and I'm here with Henning Gladagotz. What's hello, up? Hello. What's up? Who's up? <laughs> Unfortunately, we <laughs> don't have a we don't have a, a Raquel today because she is busy, busy, busy. Um, yeah. So we'll just have to find some um, wombat facts, maybe on the fly. And while I do that, what's oh. going on with you, Henning? In the world well, of... I was just actually, while you made that intro, just jogged my memory about something I saw on Twitter today about this video you were in, which I found interesting. I was curious if you could give some background on oh. that. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, so the video I was in, so there, so there, there's a group that's called Smash Hi-Fi, which consists out of two DJs that are producing the music, and they, they, they. Um, made an album with multiple different vocalists and uh and me and my wife we were on several tracks on that album and there was one mid video that was made and we were also featured in that video and yeah and that's basically it and we've we've been working <laughs> we've been working with them uh in since couple of years like we're, they're friends of ours so we've been mm -hmm. hanging out and then Uh, they said, "Hey, do you want to do some stuff on here?" And so they sent us sent us some beats and uh, yeah, some of the stuff we liked, and we did some stuff. Especially my wife that I th she she did more than me on there, and um, and uh, yeah, and so the album finally got released after they've been working on it for five years. Not because wow. not they were not working on it constantly five years. They only they they also have different they, they have their own careers like they have their own separate mm -hmm. careers. So it's a side project. It was of. a side project, but it's has, has since the release now it has been released at the beginning of the year. Um, and the album's core, called Order More Disorder, and since that release it, it has become more more um serious there's like booking requests and there's a booking company in the uk that's kind of um uh working hard to 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 get bookings in for smash hi-fi and so we are going to be involved with this as well to do to to do the live shows a little bit so that's going to wow. be interesting the the good Very thing is like they have their own like it really is like they are like the the forces behind this those two martin herger and leroy thornhill and they've been in the business for a long time so they have a lot of connections and this is a new project of theirs and they can use their old connections to push this new thing and so it there is some steam behind it right now even though it's just one the first album and and stuff so it's pretty interesting yeah so very cool yeah i just i don't know why but i just find this art in, in this this way fascinating and how this all comes together in the collaboration so very very cool yeah anyway so um yeah i mentioned earlier before the show i was tired the reason i'm tired is because we went to disney world and uh we did that with three kids and we met up with a whole bunch of people and the thing that sort of stuck with me i hadn't been probably in two or three years now is that they have modernized drastically and uh i'll tell you in a second how this relates to what we this podcast <laughs> but basically to get in the park if you are a season holder at least you get this um you get this card and it has a, a qr code on it and then to you basically the first time you go in you hold this card up to this 
of course, Mickey Mouse themed uh, scanner. And then you also have to give your uh, index finger a thumbprint. So they do biometrics. So they match up your pass to your thumb or fingerprint, um, which is interesting and also kind of creepy. But so that was the first thing. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And then the, the next thing that you can do is you can buy a band. So instead of having to drag this thing around in your wallet and use it, for uh, various things, you can just use this band and, and basically use that to gain entry into many parts of the park and get discounts on things. And uh, also do this thing called a fast pass. You know what a fast pass is? No. Okay, so the the lines in these parks are ridiculous to get on a ride. I mean, one of the most popular rides is Space Mountain. It's basically this this roller coaster in the complete darkness. And when we went there. It was a 125-minute wait. So it's like two hours to ride probably, what, like 60 seconds, maybe two minutes or something. So what they've come up with over the years is this thing called a fast pass. So you go there and you say, well, I don't want to stand in line and I don't necessarily need to ride right now. Give me a time where I can come back and pretty much get on the ride immediately. So that's what's called a fast pass. So you might go there at 10 o'clock in the morning, say, give me a fast pass to give you a time slot, maybe, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon. Then you can come in and you go in this separate line and walk right up. Hmm. So um, now, of course, they have an app and you can do all of these things like um, on the app. So instead of having to go to the ride itself or go to one of the kiosks, because so what you basically do is you you walk up to a kiosk, you hold up your card and you say, I want to get a fast pass, and then um, the interface is is reasonably good. You can add it. You can make like groups, so you can say, "I want to come with this group," and you scan all your cards or your your passes, and it makes a group for you. And then you get a list of all the rides and their available time slots, and you can then basically book your rides. Yeah. So that's the one option. The other one is is you can get an app, and you can do all this in the app. You register your your IDs basically with the app, and then. The app will let you get fast passes. It lets you. It basically has a map, so it shows you where to go um, and uh, with directions and everything of the park, a specialized map. And um, the it also gives you current real-time wait times for all the rides in the park. So what what I found really just, I mean, here's the the nerdy part of me, I guess. Again, is like thinking about how all this stuff is hooked up and that they they basically have. APIs and and you know that that feed this application and they have all these these rides talking to each other and they're you know basically getting real time data from all of their events and rides and and all these other things that you can then pull together in the app mm-hmm. to see mm-hmm. so really really interesting um, yeah developments there and and just use of technology hmm. to um, yeah, <laughs> fill you up with more information. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought that was just uh, very, very cool because uh, that's just right up our alley, I guess, with apps and APIs, etc. So, so does it work really well? Sure. Like, um, yeah, it actually does. Um, hmm. It's it's pretty slick. Yeah, it was quite. A, so you have your time slots and those really like it's an actual time slot that you will have. Yep. Okay. You then have basically a a period that you can come back within, and you get on the ride, and and your wait is probably, 
depending on how popular the ride is, you either just walk up to it or it might be two or three minutes or five minutes or something like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's a big improvement, yeah. I would say. But the thing is this, that if you don't get the fast pass like at eight or nine in the morning, mm-hmm. your slot's going to be like at seven o'clock at night. <laughs> so, oh, okay. It's not yeah, it's, it was so busy. Yeah, it was crazy. Hmm. But this was so fun. Very fun. Yeah. Cool. I've, I've never been there. Yeah. Never, ever. And I don't yeah, know if it's... I ever will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to go on the off-season. Um, yeah. This is already, it's too, well, it wasn't too warm, but it was, I was surprised for a Monday and Tuesday that there were that many people there on, in February. So hmm. it was kind of surprising, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's, yeah, it's very popular. Like everybody loves it yeah. over there, right? Yeah. Yeah, Orlando is like, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, the park is is crazy. They have their own street signs and highway exits and it's insane. (laughs) But yeah, incredible organization too. And that ties into with all the IT stuff and and their, their, um, you know, information that's available to them. Um, Somebody lost their car at night when I was driving back on the tram and they just, you know, asked them what time they... uh, approximately arrived and based on that they could tell them where in the parking lot most likely their car will be because they keep track of what aisles or rows they park at what times hmm. i mean it's that they're that well organized it's amazing wow yeah. yes that's really cool yep. that's really cool so in that respect i i'm i'm very impressed with with disney as far as you know, how they do things, how they manage crowds. Um, I've always been extremely impressed on, on how they do that. Um, the only thing that I think they could do better on is the food in the parks is atrocious. Oh, really? <laughs> it's, it's terrible. Yeah. So, but anyway. I mean, I'm always impressed when like a, a, a huge company can actually pull something like that off and, and, and work really efficiently with, uh, with technology and you know and working with yeah. the, and, and dealing with the crowds in a way so that it, it works <clears throat> because that means that they have to have at some point somewhere they must have made the decision somehow that they must have brought in somebody who really knows what they're talking about when it comes to technology somebody who knows a lot of things about organization and dealing with big crowds and marrying that is such a hard thing especially i think if you are um, you know, like like a CEO of a big company or higher up management, most likely you don't have knowledge about the details of those huge topics, technology and organization and stuff. And um, to act to actually then then get the right people together at the table to to create this experience um, that really works, I think is not is not something that. I usually see working happening, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. because often what happens is that they get a consultant and then a consultant tells them a huge story about something, gets a lot of money and what he says is not really true. And then they create like some, some experience that is mediocre, mostly, mostly. I would yeah. say, you know. <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure this is a long time in the making. I mean, this Absolutely, I think they've sure. been doing this this incrementally and yeah, I'd be very curious to see sort of behind the scenes on how how this whole thing 
came together and how it's even still evolving you know but isn't that isn't that like a really like I've, i i i from what i've been kind of um observing i i feel like this is a really difficult task for a lot of people for a lot of higher up people to actually make the right decisions when it comes to those things to to really you know to to have the sense to bring in the right people to or to figure out how to bring in the right people um in order to make things like that happen even if it was incremental i'm sure it, you know over the years they made a lot of decisions that worked and they tried stuff out and all mm -hmm. this kind of stuff and i guess maybe that's what it takes you have to be willing to try different things and different methods and throw things away and do it again and da 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 <clears throat> especially if you are you know higher management you don't really know anything about it so you have to maybe work with different people and stuff like that because that's something that's i think one of the huge problems I've seen in bigger companies is that people at some point when a company grows and then they have to hire somebody with, for instance, technology, technical knowledge of some sort, like really, really uh, specific technical knowledge and something to, um, to solve specific problems. Often what happens is, like I said, is a consultant and then something like happens, like some infrastructure is built that is really inefficient or doesn't really solve the problem right and stuff. And then they just sit on that because it it works to a certain degree. Kind of, yeah. They don't know <laughs> that it could work better. And then it just, it and then at some point you can't change it anymore, you know, especially with technology. I find this happens a lot and not only in big companies, also in like agencies and And stuff like that. It's just it's in the technology space. I, fi I find that happens all, over and over and over. And I just I'm every time when I see something like that working, especially with a big company, I'm always very impressed. And I wonder what is like what is the driving force behind that? Like how did that? Who made the decisions here? And how did that work together? I think that's super fascinating because it's just a, yeah, I, I think like, you're right. I mean, that is a is a very very difficult thing to find the right people that have the the cross-sectional knowledge right because you, you yeah. can't just be a good business person you have to understand technology and the technology people also have to understand business and um that that could probably be very very challenging to get yeah. um somebody that understands everything <clears throat> and also the, the incentives yeah the incentives have to be set up right because sometimes you have people They're allowed to make decisions on who comes in to solve a technical problem. Um, and all they need to do is just hire somebody and spend the money and get the project done on paper. And it mm -hmm. doesn't really matter if the project is like done really well with a good experience for the people who use that product or whatever. It's just right. internally the, per the, per the person can check off that thing and gets a higher salary or something like that, you know, like these incentives. And yeah. when it's more critical... When, when the user experience is more critical to the company, then it's more likely to have, you know, for it to have something that, that something better will happen or will be implemented. Or, and in that case, then even if you don't have, you don't, you're not a manager with a cross section of knowledge, you will still have to try to find something, somebody who can, who can uh, solve the problem. And in that case, and I think that happens often that that's that's a problem, and that doesn't. And in order for that to work, they have to. That's what I'm trying to to kind of. That's what I'm kind of thinking of. Like, how do they figure out who's the right person and who can solve the problem um, right and stuff like that? Because that seems to be a huge problem in this yeah. world, corporate world, and stuff like that. 
because then you you really gotta you have to have an open mind as a company you have to be willing to to fail with the project and and all this kind of stuff it's really it's a massive invest investment also yeah so. i think that's uh that's a very very good observation because that's kind of what um I mean, on a much smaller scale, but I'm experiencing that myself as well. You know, we're we're doing all these integrations of different things, of real world things like warehouse, etc. And you have to know not just you know software development. You need to know about um, warehouse management. You need to know about accounting practices because um, you need to know what has to happen in what sequence. And uh, that's that's not that easy. It's um, it's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to take in and. Um, not that easy to do well so yeah absolutely yeah so so what has been going on uh, at work for you and well um yeah lots of lots of projects and um i now have three um i guess if, 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 oh no <laughs> <laughs> somebody's getting changed over here uh, we have company <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, so cute. Um, anyway, what I was saying is that I find it's a, a strange word, but they call it, I guess, reports. Um, if you have some people that you're responsible for that you're managing. Mm -hmm. So I have three now, and um, I find it now it's starting to get challenging to try to do my, you know, there's this transition period, I guess, from where you just do development, and then you're also trying to manage the team and keep things on track and then you don't have enough hours in the day. <laughs> so um, that's what, what I'm dealing with right now, is basically trying to still get my development work done while keeping several projects on track and um, doing all the other things that um, are required by by someone that's um, in this position. So. so hold on, you're managing people? Yes, I am, uh, well, technically a team lead, but uh, yes, that now... I guess there's uh, different shades of this, but yeah, it does does managing people. Okay, cool. Correct. So, yeah. so basically, you're a full time developer and a full time manager at the same time. Yeah, exactly. There, you got it. <laughs> With the same <laughs> okay. amount of hours in the day. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, yeah. the the team leader in my team, he is basically mm -hmm. he 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 would he would love to do um, you know more development work. But he barely ever gets to do anything. Like he's just going from one meeting to the next meeting. It's like yeah. nine o'clock in the morning is the first meeting, and then ten o'clock, and then eleven o'clock, and then sometimes. And we have a meeting. We have an internal meeting as a team sometimes, and then then you know it's lunch break and another meeting. It just goes on and on and on. It's crazy. I mean, it's a big company and there's a lot of interested parties that need to be involved in what we're doing. And there's multiple teams that we're kind of interacting with as well. So that kind of multiplies it. But um, <clears throat> in, 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 so in our company, it's impossible to, do, to be a full-time developer whilst being a, a manager. You know, yeah. managing people. But how many people does does that this particular manager have under him? Um, it's I think we're seven, eight, mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. But managing us, it, <clears throat> I don't think it's really the biggest part of it. 
it's it's really managing the whole project and and, and yeah. managing interests you know and managing expectations from other people and all this kind of stuff so basically what's going on in the meetings is like is like the biggest yeah exactly because it it's basically you know you're exactly right things start to expand in your 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 realm of responsibility um gets bigger and there's other things involved um than just uh, the people. So. so is that what you find yourself doing too? So talk, like having to be in, in meetings, basically? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A lot. Um, which I find fascinating because it's now completely different insights into things in different parts of the business. Right. So, uh, yeah, yeah it, it is fun. It is interesting, right? But, yeah, but for sure. Is it, is it, is it, uh, do you have the, um, like, I, I, is it always an hour Every meeting? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> no, there's, they're all over the place. Um, okay. There's stuff that goes faster, but usually things run over. Um, eh. Okay, because I, I, because I like the concept of like when you, when you set up a meeting, you don't necessarily set it up for an hour as a default. Just sometimes mm -hmm. it's okay to have 15 minutes meetings or half an hour right. or so. Yeah. Just to get things going, because meetings have to be done, but but uh, me meetings can easily become really toxic as well, and just they can slow everything down because then it's a when you have a lot of meetings with a lot of people and everybody needs mm -hmm. to say something, and yeah. there's something that Thirty Seven Signals said in one of the books. They always like for them meetings is like the worst thing ever or whatever, and yeah. um, but it, but they said. When you when you set a meeting for a certain time, when you when you set an hour for the meeting, then the meeting will take an hour. So it's a right, good, right. So it will automatically grow to fill that time slot. So it's really good to just set it for a shorter time, and then if you need more time, you need more time. Basically, exactly. So well, I think it's also important to have a, a clear goal for the meeting and agendas. <laughs> Because otherwise, yeah, it can run all over yeah. the place. And yeah. that's, yeah, I'm discovering. And then you have to consider different, you know, people's personalities and, and, and how that all works. Yes. So it's, uh, it's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> the, so, the, social, the social game and stuff. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, that's, well, I guess that's very exciting, right? It is. It is really, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm having a great time. I have to say, that's um, awesome. Just it's just the challenge is totally just time management. Absolutely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and just trying to keep. Um, I guess when 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 I was just focused on my specific tasks as a developer, it was depending on the on the type of project I was on, it was possible to just have most of my daily or day to day or even weekly stuff like in my head depending on what I was doing. And now that is absolutely no longer possible. No. I mean, it's like, forget it. Yes. <laughs> Everything needs to go into the calendar, right? Yes, yes. My calendar is now my best friend. And <laughs> <laughs> and Jira is becoming my friend. <laughs> oh, really? Really? Interesting. Yes, yes. Well, How's that's the, the, the tool of... Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, finish. That's a tool of choice in, in our company. And... Um, mm -hmm. So I'm getting like training on that and trying to figure out how to use that most efficiently. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. do you have already? Uh, do you have some interesting ways to use it already, or are you using well, just, just the Kanban kind of way, or like like Trello? Yeah, because our yeah our um our team or just development in general in our 
branch of the company is very, very young. And um, we are not super structured yet. Um, I think I can say that. <laughs> so for us to have like, we're not even, at least my team, we're not yet at a point where we can do sprints because there's just too much going on. And um, so we do Kanban. Basically, that fits our current style better, I feel like. And um, so that's what we're doing at this point. I must say, I really yeah. prefer that over sprints. Um, yeah. I, we, we do the same thing. We also use Jira and we also use the kan Kanban style of um, yeah, moving the tasks from left to right and stuff. And um, exactly. it, it's, I think it works. It works for us really well. The only thing that's different from what we're doing to traditional Kanban, I think, is that we do have a daily stand-up like you would do in a scrum thing. Mm -hmm. and, and, with, and then we so have how like... How do you do that with Kanban? What, what exactly do you do in that? Because that's, that's the next sort of step I'm trying so, to get to. So we, we, we talk about the board. So I, I think, but I, I think that's actually how, the, I think that may be actually how the Kanban daily actually works. You go, mm -hmm. so you meet at the board every day and then you, t you go through what's going on on the boat, board and basically talk about those things. So we have different filters set up so uh, our team lead um he is pretty good at doing uh, jira filters <laughs> so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so he did some filter magic and so we have different we have buttons um over the kanban swim lanes mm -hmm. basically and so what's so the first one is what's in blocked so we have a blocked swim lane and then you ch you talk about what's in block because that's the most critical things kind of and then um, what has changed to review recently? There's a filter for that, like you know, the last day or the last three days, depending right. if it's after a weekend or not. And then, um, mm -hmm. uh, because that's basically things that are going to go into done soon, or are things that need to be reviewed and or are being reviewed. So we'll talk about that. So whoever did the task or is reviewing the task, going to talk about the tasks that are on the board in, in that view. And then we have the in progress and everybody's just talking about what they're doing right now. Like what did they do? What are they doing next? And what's blocking them? Basically the little bit of a scrum. So you do flavor. this as an, as an in-person group meeting? Uh, yes. Every, every morning. Okay. Yeah. We do that How long morning. does it take? Um, 10 minutes, 15 oh, minutes. Oh, sweet. Yeah, because nice. because it's so we do it in a kind of scrum style where it's mm -hmm. really like details don't belong into that meeting at all. So when you mm -hmm. have some details to to sort out <laughs> in a task, then you you basically in the <laughs> you basically in the in the meeting you say, "Oh, I have to talk to you after lunch or whatever." And then you yeah. write that, and then we write that down, blah blah. blah. But mm -hmm. as soon as somebody goes into too much detail, somebody's saying too much detail. <laughs> okay, moving they on. Get, they get reminded. Yeah. They get okay. reminded exactly, yeah. and, and then we move yeah. on. So it's really just like, yeah, I've been working on this. I'm making progress, and mm -hmm. I'll be working on this again, I guess, for the rest of the day or something like that. You know, it's just and sometimes you give a little bit of info if there was something interesting happening, or mm -hmm. if you can't, if you. If you're blocked, like if you can't, if you don't find the solution, you need help. That's also something that you would say. Okay. Cool. So it's, but it's not, it's short and sweet. It's, it yeah. really is. And you guys are all um, local, right? Like you're all in office. There's no remote people. Uh, no, we actually have people in Bucharest and people in Munich. Ah, okay. So we always have a conference call mm -hmm. and 
we don't use any fancy technology really it's just uh it's just like this conference call like the phone thingy with a speaker and everybody calls in we have a conference call number everybody calls in and then um well the remote people call in if i'm working from home the what i do sometimes i also call in mm -hmm. and then um uh and then we have in the office we have the board on a screen and we basically just over communicate what's going on in the screen and then everybody remote also just pulls it up in the browser the jira and right. they click on the buttons themselves and just follow along okay yeah and do you have it at a, obviously i guess at a fixed time every morning uh yeah it's always a fixed time yep okay cool all right yeah so that that works that yeah works. that's pretty good As long as, long we'll as you see, have like Jira, is such, such a power tool, and it can be really, yeah, it's uh, crazy. You know, crazy. So you have to really limit. It's overwhelming the at first, yes. but at least I have somebody that I can consult with. Uh, she's an expert on it and can set everything up the way I need cool. it. But the problem is, right now, I don't even know what I need. So, yeah. like, well, I, just, I got everything, the basics, and now I'm just going to start using that and see where the pain points are. Yeah, just go with, just like with programming, just start simple and whenever you exactly. need more, you just add it on. Yeah. Exactly. And yep. then as long as, when you limit the functionality to what you really need, then it can start to help you. If you're just like, oh my God, I have all these features and you just turn on everything, <laughs> turn it on, <laughs> turn it on. Yeah. Then, yeah, you're just drowning. No, take features. away all the buttons and just give me the ones I need. That's it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, that's what I'm I'm dealing with. I guess I'll check in and periodically and see where I'm where I'm getting with this. <laughs> this is cool. Yeah, very interesting. <clears throat> yeah. And so, how is the how's the JSON API uh, thing going? Still, everything's still running. It's running, and um, yeah. So we are we need to do some some iterations on it. But uh, one cool thing that I found out, and I, I actually. Didn't know. Maybe I said this already, but one thing that I discovered by sort of revisiting just recently is I thought it had to be the the object or the the uh, the resource object inside of a, a payload had to be completely flat, but actually it doesn't. Um, the attributes inside of a, a resource can have any kind of valid uh, JSON structure. It's just that you can't have nested relationships uh, in that particular structure. But I was always under the impression that it had to be a very simple, um, I don't know why, but I guess maybe that's because all the examples are that way. So, mm -hmm. you know, the a resource basically has an ID, a type, and then attributes. So it has three, at, at least three main keys. And under attributes is basically where all the fields are and their values. And um, yeah, For some reason, I thought that a field can just be like a, a simple value, but it can be any kind of complex JSON object. So um, oh, okay. I'm going to do a little bit of refactoring there to should see. Have, that, sh that should open up uh, possibilities, I guess. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, there's a, a few kludgy things that I did, and I can I can revert those. So we'll see see how that goes. But, um, no, I mean, it's uh, it's fun. It's... it's um, It's actually, it's in production and we're going to start building on it and um, sort of have, yeah, you know, one like main um, sort of API gateway, I guess, into 
this specific system. And I, I've fiddled around with Kong. I've mentioned that a few times. Mm-hmm. And that's actually also really, really cool now that I've started using that a little bit. But basically gives you, you know, various um, authentication options. So we've chosen to go with just token. And if you do that over SSL, the token is just in a header. And that way we can, <clears throat> um, you know, assign tokens to the various users. And the, the really nice part about this is, is that none of this has to be in our code base. Um, so really our code base deals 100% just with taking the request and getting what's necessary to build the response and um, then, you know, authentication, rate limiting, user management, all that stuff is is outside of our app and we don't have to deal with that. Um, one other cool thing that I, I, I did um, that I got a few years back at a, at a conference in, in, um, in Europe, it was Amsterdam, basically, <clears throat> that... Um, for logging purposes and debugging, you know, when, t- when you have an API or any kind of web app, I guess, you know, you have all these requests coming in and then it's kind of hard to tie together log messages. Um, you know, you don't know what's associated to what. So what happens now is a uh, unique ID is generated in the rec- or as part of the request and is handed down um, to every subsequent logging um uh, call. So every call for or every log entry can now be associated to a specific API call, which is really, really helpful. So mm-hmm. you can basically tie together, um, you know, all the things that happened for a specific call. And uh, okay, cool. that, that that's really new and uh, or for us at least. And I wasn't able to do that before. Now you can see you can basically, you know, query for, okay, I'm interested in this particular request. What's associated with that? Um, opens up lots of possibilities, too, for, you know, turning on debugging for specific in- endpoints and stuff like that. So super helpful. And also, I think for, um, you know, people that are new to the system, if you just turn on logging, like fairly verbose, and then just say, hey, you know, follow this token and see what happened. You can see it basically, you know, teaches them the system and they see what's going on by mm. looking at the logs, which is very, very helpful. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Huh, crazy stuff. Yep. Well, and one thing I wanted to ask you, because you said, you know, like this new role gives you time management problems. Do, so <laughs> do, you, end up, do you end up working overtime because of that? Or, or um, how does it work for you? Uh, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's impossible. <laughs> That's a short answer, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see how I get that under control. But right now I feel like I, I just have to because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's so many new things for me. And um, yeah, it just has to get done. It's a transitional phase, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Well, if it's not, then I just won't survive it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, w- I will die. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, um, yeah. but yeah, there's definitely some. I mean, this is something that I I don't know. If I've always had, and this is where I I think I still I need to find an activity that is something like you know Raquel does the rock rock climbing, which um, helps you turn off. But the thing is this that 
at least for me, it's always been very hard to stop thinking about what I'm doing at work. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's like other people, they step away from whatever, their machine or their equipment or something, and they're done, right? But our stuff is always in our head, so it comes with you everywhere. And you have to make a real effort to just turn it off. Mm -hmm. I mean, on the other hand, I think that's also something that gives you a little bit of an edge because not every developer is like that, you know? Yeah. Like it gives you an edge of over other developers a little bit because you're thinking about it all the time. So, you know, you, you <laughs> yeah. have, you come back to work and you like, you, ha- you, you, you have work done already basically. And that's come true. Up with I a mean, better it, you solution. know, a lot of, Exactly. And a lot of times, but I don't know if this is, it's not always a good thing, but not um, always, no, it, but it can um, give you an edge to a certain degree. Of course, it's not necessarily healthy. Yeah. Right. Know? That's what I mean. It's yeah. like, I should be, you know, paying attention to my kids and I'm thinking about some problem, right? Mm-hmm. That's not good, but y- yeah. you're right. I mean, a, a lot of times I solve, you know, problems outside of the actual office just because on the drive home or whatever, I'm yeah. thinking about a specific thing. Yeah. 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 Hey, I mean, at least, you know, you have fun doing your exact stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's, that's just super important. Um, because the like, luxury. You know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what, uh, what else is happening? Oh, what else is happening? Um, crazy stuff is happening at Uber, apparently, uh, and uh, yeah, with Uber. I don't know if you heard. Um, well, I, I know they have all sorts of problems and, um, they had just hired some, some person that looks very familiar, but I don't know the details. Oh, okay. Um, well, what happened is that, uh, one Susan J. Fowler wrote a blog post about her very, very strange year at Uber is that's the title of the, the part of the title of the blog post. Mm-hmm. And so it says the title is reflecting on one very, very strange year at Uber. And um, it's it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, what she experienced there. It is just uh, negligent negligence and sexual harassment, and in the most blatant form possible, and sexism in the most blatant form possible. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's a really Great read. It's very well written. And this what post, role is she in? Uh, she is. Uh, is a, a very specific role. Um, site reliability engineer. So she okay. was an engineer with this specific. Um, with site reliability was uh, her specific kind of mm-hmm. thing, and she's uh, apparently very good at it. She moved. She, she has since um, changed jobs. She's at. Um, What's it called? Square? Mm-hmm. You know, that pay, payment? Payment, yeah, the payment company. provider, yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so since she's there now, she I guess she felt comfortable to uh, talk about it. And she wrote this blog post. And that blog post uh, was posted on February 19th and has absolutely exploded, like went, went totally viral. And um, And there was a response... So first of all, everybody who, if you didn't read it yet, you have to read it. I will not, okay. you know, try to sum it up. It's very long and it's very well written, goes into a lot of detail and is absolutely shocking. Well, it's not very long, but it's pretty long. And um, it's really ridiculous. I mean, they had, 
I mean, her fir- the first chat messages from her boss were basically it was, pro- you know, he was propositioning sex or he was talking about how he is in an open relationship and his wife has a much better time you know getting guys than he girls and blah blah and so like that and then and then and then she made screenshots and sent it to hr and hr was like yeah well you know that guy that must be a i'm sure it's just an honest mistake and and it's the first offense and we're not going to do anything and that's and that's and you just have to think about this happening over and over and over again and hi hi hr clearly lying about first offenses right and the reasoning of those people not you know getting any consequences is that they're uh, so to speak um, a high performer <clears throat> in the company which is absolutely ridiculous and That, like it's like yeah just when you read it it's like you can't it sounds like it. american apparel it's like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I, i mean it's crazy it's really it's out of this world like how this can still happen today i don't understand i mean it would yeah. in a normal in, in just any company in germany i think like people would be like it's, you can't it's it, i for me it's unimaginable for that to happen really I like mm. it's too it's too bla- it's so so blatant. I mean, with Uber, they always have this they have this kind of reputation that they're killers, and you know they also have to fight in the markets because, like, you know, the municipalities are against Uber, and and they always have to fight those lawsuits, and they have to be very aggressive, and da 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 da, da. and this kind of feels like it plays into the same thing they also not treating their drivers really well and they get paid really badly and all the stuff i mean there's lots of really controversial stuff going on with uber and there was a lot of negative press in the last years and this just yeah i didn't i didn't know about this i I knew about the whole thing about you know poorly paying or treating their drivers that i that i sort of got but this this i didn't know that's crazy Yeah, it's crazy. And then also, um, so what happened then is that they hired um, the former state's attor- attorney. Um, That's what I saw somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, to look into to look into that. <clears throat> and so, and uh, Steve Kalanick, I don't know, the CEO of Uber, he was um, giving a press conference and talking about how they're going to you know, work on this and figure this all out. And he's very upset about everything. And I don't know, Ariana Huffington, who is also part, who is also on the board of Uber. She wrote a big blog post about it, how, about how terrible it is and how she's going to also help, you know, um, clearing this stuff up at Uber, like cleaning up basically at mm-hmm. Uber. You know, right. with getting with, their act together, yeah. Yes, and they're gonna, yeah. So, and it, also, I think yeah, at the press conference, the um, um, the HR VP of HR or whatever boss of HR, she also basically said that this was is all terrible and all their fault. So, so they're basically they're they, in damage control. They're doing damage like control. Yeah. yeah, they're not. They're not um, trying to say that this didn't happen it all clearly mm-hmm. happened they're all admitting it and they're saying we're going to look into this aggressively and yeah we'll see what comes from this i mean 
I also read in an article, the same article that said that this former state's attorney guy is looking into this Uber thing. He was apparently also hired by Airbnb when they had problems with African-American um, uh, people who who were African-American and wanted to rent uh, Airbnbs that were, uh, uh, how do you say, rejected. So they couldn't mm -hmm. rent because they were black basically mm -hmm. and so this also blew up and then he was hired to kind of fix that at airbnb uh -huh. as well which they implemented some measures and apparently some some or a lot of people feel like they're not really addressing the problem really well so it, this whole thing hiring this guy could also be some sort of a smokescreen just to say we're doing this and then is something is implemented right. and then everything's over you know basically and mm -hmm. um, right. so you, you never know but it just seems that uber is a very questionable yeah i mean i've seen in, in in my twitter feed i just see people constantly saying that they're counseling their um uber account and they're mm. no longer using them and things like that but i didn't know the details i mean i i've never used the service i don't have an account i don't really have a need for it um but yeah it's very yeah. disheartening to hear this kind of stuff oh yeah it's and it's it is really hard terrible. to believe that that i mean obviously it is happening but how is it possible that this kind of stuff goes on like that it's yeah i mean crazy. how can people do that you know i mean yeah like why why would you do that it's terrible yeah, yeah. <clears throat> silicon valley yeah <clears throat> it's, it's yeah. just like and they are like this big darling right they are yeah yeah the uh, investors darling investors oh, darling they're the they're valued at what 60 billion or something like that mm -hmm. right now and right. and they are not making any money. They're losing money. <laughs> and uh, wow. they're considered the big unicorn thing. Hmm. And it's just like, this really shows you how uh, problematic this kind of startup culture can be. And this startup culture with VC money and fantasy valuations and all this kind of stuff. It's... Um, Because I mean, Crazy. when are they going to make money? Like, are they going to make money when, yeah. when, when they have self-driving cars? I guess at that point, maybe, you know, because then they don't have to pay drivers. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, but with stuff like that, people saying, you know, people deleting Uber because they're unhappy with. I think the delete Uber campaign was because they took part on or they they were part of the uh, technical advisory board for the, for the Trump um people uh. so that's why people wanted did the delete uber campaign so this was also something that hit them pretty hard and people just use something like Lyft or you know com competing companies competitors yeah that do yeah. something similar and it just seems like Uber is not necessarily something they they brought you know this new new um, new way of uh, of using or getting a ride into the market but it's yeah it's and they might have the best the, the nicest app or something like that and maybe the nicest cars but at the end of the day if you can if you can get into a if you can you do the same thing basically using an an app 
to call a car that can drive you somewhere and the car is fine, you know, mm -hmm. um, and you can have a, you don't have to have a guilty conscience, then people are going to do that. And it's exactly. Yeah. So they're not, they, they, they're losing whatever edge they're having kind of. And yeah. So that's the question. Like, how are they going to, so they wanted to do, I think they wanted to branch out to do or they are branching out into like, you know, um, because they have the logistics um, to do to 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 do uh, food delivery and other delivery stuff. So, but is that really also is that something that can hold them over? I, I don't or make them money. I, I don't know. It seems difficult. Yeah. It feels seems difficult, especially <clears throat> if they're losing a lot of money right now. Yeah, I mean, it looks like they have a few things against them. I mean, they they yeah. need to clean up their house big time. I mean, that's yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. I mean this. Uh, Apparently, this the, the aggressiveness of Uber in the was really important in the beginning because they really had to fight really hard in order to get into the cities because they really were trying to um, get Uber out of the out of the cities with lawsuits and stuff like that. And maybe now is the time where you need a different kind of management, different kind of strategy, and you don't mm -hmm. have to go as hard anymore. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> but um, yeah, I think that's uh, yeah. We we those are not really answers we can we can give. No, <laughs> <laughs> observations and it's, astonishment. I yeah, think, astonishment. Geez. Really, yeah. yeah. It's it's definitely <laughs> astonishing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, so so I saw some interesting tweets on Twitter. I I really like um, following David Heinemeyer Hansen, who mm -hmm. is uh, one of the Mr. Ruby. Yeah, Mr. Ruby and Mr. Uh, Basecamp. And, oh, right, right. And uh, so so he also has interesting opinions when it comes to... He, he wrote a couple of posts, I think, also about the Uber thing. And like he's always, he's always raging about those venture capital startups. And for him, like, it doesn't make any sense. And he always, he brings up some, some good points. And so it's very entertaining to read those. And well, he always has very, very controversial, or I, you don't know if it does it on purpose or whatever. Just to, but he's always sort of in the in the in the crossfire in the limelight for making interesting comments, right? I mean, yeah. Well, he's so. he, he's um, also not mincing words. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and he has, yeah, he has always he he has very interesting opinions. I think. What's interesting about him too is that when it comes to computer science, he's all, always ruffling a lot of feathers because he is very non-conform. -con like he he doesn't come from a traditional um, computer science background, I th mm -hmm. think, or only partly, or something like that. At least when he built his framework, he was not trying to you know implement all the patterns you know from right Fowler exactly or whatever like yeah he was just trying to make it to make a framework that works nicely and feels good to work with and and uh, was more interested in in convention over configuration stuff like that just to make it easy for people to build stuff and uh, mm -hmm. and this kind of perspective and the and uh no you know he's not going he's not doing any, a lot of compromises in that direction like yeah this kind of perspective brings up a lot of interesting um opinions from his side and he's very 
uh, when he he states those opinions very radically, I would say. So exactly, that's that's putting it well. Yeah, he doesn't really seem to care what people think. He just takes Which a stand, is, and that's that's yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Which is good. Yeah. And then he goes into a discussion, you know. And yeah. Then, and then of course some people are angry, and then and that never goes well. But uh, but whoever wants to what, what talk, did he say this time then? No, I mean, uh, this time, those things, they're not very controversial. I just found those interesting, two interesting tweets. So um, one was, it was about, because Basecamp is hiring, so I guess that's why he's thinking about this stuff right now. He says, oh. there are, no, uh, there, there are uh, no shortcuts to accessing programming talent. Only reviewing and discussing relevant work product takes time, effort. Right, so what he's saying is that he feels the only way how to access uh, programming talent to find out if you're uh, hiring somebody that will work f well with your company is to actually uh, look at work product that that person did, mm -hmm. and it takes time and it takes effort. And famously, how they do it at Basecamp is that they um, they hire somebody. Also, they hire a prospect, whoever they're interested in. They give them a job um, that takes around a week or so, and they pay them in full, like a good, you know, consulting mm -hmm. fee or something like that, because because they they respect their time, and um, so they pay them, and they have them, you know, solve some problem. Sometimes I think even some problem. That they that they need to need solved in their in their Basecamp product and stuff like that, and then they look at they they basically they they work with that person for a week you know and they see how it is to work with them, and then also look at the work product of course and that's kind of what they're using to make a decision, and like he says that takes uh, I guess more time and effort than giving somebody a quiz it takes a lot i mean and that's not just you know because you have to get to a point where you've narrowed it down to one or two people i guess and then you decide to do that yeah and then you're still not sure if that's gonna pan out or not so yeah i mean you have to be in a certain place i think as an organization in order to to be able to to do something like that um, yeah i think that they also they that, never hire a lot of people they always hire mm -hmm. just a few or one mm -hmm. or two or something. And then also they look at, of course, what they did before they look at, you know, open source work since they, they are a Ruby shop when it comes to programmers, at least they have um, the possibility to just look into the Ruby on rails ecosystem and see, you know, mm -hmm. you know, who's, who did some interesting patches and stuff like that. And then uh, they would offer somebody like that, the, uh, the opportunity to, to to do some work for them and then see if, if it works and but yeah all in all it's just like it's like all these things that they're doing it just makes so much sense to me you know it and does it does make sense but is it i mean it's 37 signals right it, they're in a unique position i feel like it's like but they have done this always like yeah. I mean, they make okay. they make good money, and they have a lot of people that come to them and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, what he says is, I think, is very true. Like the only way, so there is no shortcuts to accessing programming talent. That's what he's saying, right? There is no mm -hmm. shortcut, meaning that if you take the time and the effort 
to do that, to look at work product um, that somebody can produce for you as a company, then and also and, and also work with them for for a week or so, you you can you can really see how it is to 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 work with that person to have this person hired basically right it's it's uh, and it that will give you a much much better feeling than anything else that is normally done like some quiz or or you know yeah there's there's absolutely no doubt about that um, <clears throat> yeah so I'm just so, thinking so like when you think about it in my head what it what it takes to actually do that that's pretty remarkable and the kind of position you have to be in as far as you know in the company environment, I guess, you know, yeah. um, if you're growing quickly and you need people in, this is, well, again, you're right. It's the only right way to, or it's the only way to guarantee that you get decent people. Um, or maybe it's a, you know, you're at a higher degree of likelihood to get someone yeah. that fits really well. I think the likelihood but, is just higher. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then the question is, you know, is the time and effort is it worth it? It might be, mm -hmm. you know, it might be a much bigger return on investment than hiring people that you kind of feel like, yeah, okay, they could work because mm -hmm. you know they could invert a tree or something, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, and then you have to hire, you have to fire them in three weeks, right. you know? Yeah, <clears throat> I don't know, or it's just mediocre or i don't know like that's that i think it's a good question like if you really want to that's really the it's just the best way i think to find yeah to just up the likelihood of finding somebody who really yeah i mean i think having to, to to pay someone or not having to but paying someone for this time is is like um it's fair and it makes sense um because i mean i've been on on uh not in well interviews and and basically job application processes that I invested an enormous amount of time and I got right. nothing out of it and that's not really cool either but it's probably because the company has a certain status and everybody wants to work there so yeah. they think they can afford to do it but I think it's also very respectful you know if you do it this way and it um, goes hand in hand with the whole philosophy where they exactly. feel like they they have to be a profitable company in order to to even think about hiring somebody right so and they, they so they they make a lot of product they keep their company small they make a lot of uh, profit they keep their company small and then of course they have the money and to 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 engage in this luxury so to speak mm -hmm. right so and then and for them that's the only way how to basically grow and run a company is that you you know you do it with yeah. profit and uh yeah but there's many different philosophies of course <laughs> yeah um, i mean you're you're working for a much bigger company but could you see anything like that even remotely happening no with, yeah no no because the, everything is just like typical like in any other big company is the same yeah i mean we we do we do we have a little test thingy where somebody where you know for, for specific for you know jobs in our vicinity the javascript thing where people have to do a little exercise a little mini app you know that doesn't mm -hmm. take super long but you can get a feeling for where they so are. how long do you expect uh, people to work on that then or yeah i mean i think like three four hours maybe 
Okay. And that's yeah. out like on their own or this yeah. is in house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you ask them to do it. I mean, that's just okay. how it's mostly done, I think. But I think it's that to that is still a little better than doing like whiteboard quizzing things. I think that's right. really terrible and I don't yeah. think that has any value. Yeah. All right, I think yeah, we are at the are. end of the show actually. Yeah. And uh, we have to shut it down. Um, Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, hopefully Raquel is going to be um, is going to be back uh, next week. And uh, I didn't have any one bad fa facts today, so I'm sorry. I'll, I'll I'll bring them next next time. All right. Um, yes. Yeah. So uh, please um, join us in the in the Slack chat. So we have uh, oh we have a new person that you basically uh, know personally, as far as I know, Setter M. Yeah, I have not actually ever met him. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, Setter MJ, I think is his handle. MJD um, or, but or something. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, as he said in the Slack, he he's an Australian living in Germany, and um, yeah. he has a podcast, and I've been in touch with him for various subjects. And which podcast? He also is writes. That? That's um, freeing the geek FM, and okay. um, basically it's PHP centric, and mm -hmm. uh, he does sort of a mix of interview and um, various topics. And he's had some really, really good interviews uh, recently, some very nice episodes too. And um, yeah, he writes, so he can probably give good advice. And I think he kind of already has uh, in, the, in the Slack channel. So Because that's sort of a topic we're, that's going on in, in the Slack channel right now, right? Is, is blogging and writing and mm -hmm. things like that. So I'm sure he has uh, something to contribute there. So yeah, yeah hey, welcome. Cool. <laughs> yeah, so anybody who wants to join, please join. You find the link in the show notes at the bottom of the show notes, how to join. Um, and uh, yeah, the show notes you find at reactive.audio. And um, you can also find us on Twitter at reactivepod. Follow us there and, you know, contact us there. And um, yeah, and I'm Khalil Tweets on Twitter. Yep, and Raquel is Rockbot, um, or That's at right. Rockbot on Twitter. I'm H. Glattergotts on Twitter, and um, would also appreciate a review if you have time. If you like the show, tell someone about it or leave us a review how to do that. Um, you can follow a link in the show notes as well. And uh, that's it for this week. Talk to you next week. All right, bye. Bye.